Hello and welcome to the Race FF Podcast. I'm your host, Jaime Garcia, and today I am so happy to have this person back. Um, I don't know how long it's going to be before they stop returning my messages and completely uh, shine me off for being super famous now, but of course you know her from Nugget Nationals and a good buddy of mine from uh, the land down under, Yingbot. Yingbot, thank you so much for coming back on. Hello, thank you for having me back. I'm really <laughs> happy to be here again. So before we go into what I'm sure a lot of people want to hear uh, about your trip with uh, Marty and Moog uh, to uh, Malaysia, I, I kind of wanted to touch base on uh, one of the things that uh, really brought me to um, or brought you to my attention, which was uh, Nugget National. So you just had your um national championship awards points or what have you so tell me about that and the the prize money that um or really the prizes that uh the top three drivers got yeah so we have finished our 2023 season um and in december we did a prize giving ceremony so we had six events during the year and Mm -hmm. the way in which you can place first, second, or third is we take uh, sort of like F1 points. Okay. So we've got um, – we rank them and we give them points based on where they've finished, based on their lap time because mm-hmm. it's not a race. It's not a door-to-door race. It is mm-hmm. sprints or time trials. Um, so based on how their fastest lap time, they're allocated points and then they collect those points over the six rounds. So at the end of the championship year, whoever's collected the most points uh, will – place first, second, and then third. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our sponsors this year have been Ex- Exidy or mm-hmm. Exidy. I've been told the correct way to say it is actually Exidy. Uh, okay. So I've been saying it wrong okay. my whole life. Um, so we all know them for their clutches. Uh, Raz Automotive, who is one of our local um, mechanics here, and they've supported us for a long time. So they gave awesome. us some hand-cooked tires and um, also die-cast toys. So they do really high-quality die-cast models. Um, so they were the top three prizes. And, you know, they're guys that have reached out to us. We mm-hmm. weren't actively seeking sponsorship. Um, and, you know, they were kind enough to come aboard and say, hey, we like what you guys are doing. Um, awesome. Can we help out in some way? That's so cool. that was really nice. And we've we've always known that they were going to be the prizes. But mm-hmm. what what was actually really nice, at the end of the year, they, they said, hey, do you want some extra prizes? And we're like, absolutely. <laughs> so <laughs> Mobile One Oil, uh, we got a Sparco bucket seat from, from Raz. No way. And he gave us like Japanese work shirts, the actual oh, work shirts they wear. Dude, those are cool. Oh, yeah, man. Real cool. Yep. Um, and yeah, so we were able to raffle that off and I know I, I have a full-time job, mm-hmm. but also I run Nugget Nationals. Mm-hmm. But in addition to that, I also do volunteer work for a mm-hmm. refugee food bank. So, um, we, the charity of choice was obviously going to be the place where I volunteer work at. Uh-huh. So the, every Uh, one that attended our end-of-year ceremony, they entered into a raffle, so they paid $5, as many tickets as you want, to try win some of these additional prizes that we were given. And then all that money then went to the uh, food bank that I work at. So I have been able to buy food, um, toiletries, and supplies for people who who need it um, a lot more than we do. So it's just a really nice, wholesome community to be a part (laughs) of. Everyone was on board with the charity and Mm. obviously the extra bonus of winning some really cool prizes as well. That's so dope. And, you know, this is something that you and I connected on uh, a lot more in uh, the ability to kind of give back. And 
um you know i i find that like such a a really like it's a really nice thing to see people actually try and give back to communities especially ones that um have that need and um the fact that you guys have like a pretty nice center um it's so dope and you know um the fact that you actually take like i think it's every tuesday you said um to go every thursday oh thursday thursday there we go um to go out there and work at the at the food bank it's just like wow that's so freaking dope so yeah yeah awesome Awesome. i think it's just one of those things like for everyone in the world it is luck Mm -hmm. it's luck where we were born it's luck how you know for for a lot of the part i was lucky that i was Mm -hmm. born in australia uh had i been born somewhere else would i be doing track days would i have cool cars would i have all these great friends Mm -hmm. absolutely not so you know life is a lottery Mm -hmm. i'm got a winning ticket so i kind of feel it's my duty to give back as much as i can that's freaking awesome and it it just goes to show um kind of that that same attitude of uh, humbleness and wanting to do more and i guess that's uh, the reason why you guys have been so successful uh with nugget nationals is like you know the people around it build it up so um we talked about uh, uh the prizes for the first second and third place but who won? Because I, I, who won? I, 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 <laughs> you're going to be very happy to hear. Well, you yes. know who won. But for <laughs> everyone listening, first place, of course, double wishbones always yeah. reign supreme. Yeah. Uh, it was an EG Civic. Yeah. D15 powered, mind you. So mm-hmm. we're not mm-hmm. talking anything B or K swapped uh, yeah. as per rules. It has to be a 1.5 liter. So mm-hmm. um, it was a David in his EG and he was lucky enough that he owned this car prior to, you know, Nugget Nationals being a thing. Mm-hmm. We just happened to give him a use case to use this car. Uh-huh. Um, and then second and third place were my favorites, the Toyota Echo Sportivo, also mm-hmm. known as the Toyota Vitz in mm-hmm. Japan. Um, so the first generation of those, uh, and they came second and third. So we're, we're seeing a pretty clear sort of, I'm not going to say domination, but <laughs> it has repeatedly been EG's, uh, Vits or Toyota Echoes and mm-hmm. uh, Honda Jazzes get up there quite a bit as well. So yeah. what we're seeing there really is the Hondas are just superior for handling <laughs> <laughs> but then the power to weight of the echoes and the uh the jazzes are are pretty good so mm-hmm. uh, you know a combination of drivers who've just you know come out to every single event mm-hmm. gotten seat time um and you know they've really proven to the rest of the field that if you can make it to most of the events and you know just focus on driving and not mm-hmm. worrying too much like they're not the most modified cars in Nugget Nationals oh, no, and for sure. they are winning. Yep. They are winning because they are just committed to driving and bettering mm-hmm. themselves as drivers. So, um, and which is what we always had hoped to achieve with mm-hmm. Nugget Nationals, which is it's not about how you modify the car, just get out there and drive. Exactly. And if you drive a lot, you will naturally get better. Yeah. And uh, again, I love that you guys run the, the spec tire of the Hankook RS4 because i mean i'm pretty sure like people literally daily drive them um and drive them back and forth for the track day season i i can't imagine uh people switching out for tires <laughs> too much no no one's majority of our drivers absolutely are not switching out when i was <laughs> competing though because and this is not 
because Ooh. I was scared of wearing the tires out. This is just testimony to how mm. incredibly cheap I am. <laughs> I was like, I'm not putting any extra kilometers that I don't have to on these tires. And I'm very proud of this. Other people would say I'm an absolute idiot, but I did like 20 track days on the same set of tires with nah, a consistent like 146.0. Like that's what I was just banging out consistently. And I like to think that my tight assness actually mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> helped preserve the tires a bit longer. So, but yeah. you know, the rest of the field are completely sensible and not as cheap <laughs> as me and just would drive with them on. And they're like, you know, whatever it's, it's a commuter tire almost to them. <laughs> <laughs> it is wild. Uh, the kind of like 200 treadwear war that has been going on with the tire manufacturers and that, um, what used to be like a 200 treadwear tire, which I still consider, you know, like the Honkuk RS4 um, being, because I, I remember back when it was the Honkuk RS2s, and I love those tires. Those were pretty dope, but the RS4s just like stepped it up in the sense of uh, just longevity. And man, like that's so dope. And those, and I think the Falcon uh, Zenny's, the 615 and i think now they're the 615k like they just last forever and over here in the u.s we we see them a lot in uh the enduros and that's just so huge in in terms of how long those freaking tires last they're not the fastest but yeah it's it's yeah we were seeing it a lot also with um 8008s and now the uh, 8009s have been out for a little bit in Australia, but mm-hmm. um, the, the 8009s are still a little bit pricey, whereas the RS4s just uh, represent excellent value <laughs> because they go on sale quite a bit here. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Um, you you told me that they do like a buy three, get the fourth one for years. I forget. Yeah, what, correct. What, what? Yep. So it, it actually turns, like, it works out to be really cheap. Like, under $400, you could Dude. get tires, and I've proven that they will last at least 20 track days. I That's can dope. hear my friends now listening to this going, she doesn't represent us. That is, <laughs> no, not you recommend do. doing you that do. many track days on the same set of tires. <laughs> but they're not here, so. Yeah. yeah. I, I, look, I, I, I've i been quoted as being very, very cheap with tires uh, multiple occasions, getting cast-offs from uh, other racers and whatnot. Um, for my tires. So this like, is why we get along. We're the same people. <laughs> I love it. But uh, I, we'll call it frugal. Yeah. I, I call it cost effective. Cost mm-hmm. effective. So there there's this uh racetrack nearby um where you know there's very competitive series where there's like the spec Miatas and they run uh two oh five fifty fifteen and you know, some of the front runners, they'll just take those tires off and just toss them after they do like a quality session or whatever. And they want to be on fresh rubber because it's so competitive. And I'm sitting there going like, oh, they're just throwing them off on the side of the tire rack and um, or the tire shop. And, you know, the tire shop is like, oh, we have to pay to get them uh, recycled. So when I come by there, they're like, oh, okay, when we don't have to pay for it. And I'm just like, you see tires? <laughs> we, need, we need to reframe this. Basically, we are sustainability leaders here. There we're we eco- go. We're eco-warriors. We're there saving we these tires go. from landfill. <laughs> yeah. It, if they're not sparking, they're not done. <laughs> 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 if I can't see canvas, they are still good for another track day. 
Awesome. Oh man. Yeah, we we vibe on that. We definitely vibe on that. So uh right now you're still um are are you gonna be competing for the twenty twenty four season uh in Nugget Nationals or is that still no. I won't personally be competing. I mm-hmm. believe Tom, my co-organizer, mm-hmm. potentially is going to compete. That is, uh, if he can put his his latest car together. That Ooh, he thinks, what's the latest car? He's, he's got lots of projects on the go, though, okay, so that's okay. why I'm a bit uh, vague on the details. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to say what his car is yet because no one else knows what it is. I do. Mm. But uh, it should be very competitive because it is him that we're talking about. Okay, he, okay. He has, uh, he can steer. So oh, nice. Yep, nice. that will be good. Uh, yeah, so we're definitely running twenty twenty four again. It's uh, six rounds, so two rounds at Winton, two at Broadford, which is actually a motorcycle track, uh, mm-hmm. as I mentioned last time, and two rounds at Haunted Hills, which is a hill climb track. Uh, so all nice. full six events again this year. Um, the reason I'm not competing is because I'm looking at doing some other track days in okay. my other car, and potentially looking at trying to get into some endurance driving in australia as well oh yeah <laughs> you, you got bit by the bug i did so uh, badly well, so um be- before we go into it because i know people are gonna want to that's like probably the main reason they're uh listening um but there was a recent event that you were out there with uh my my favorite uh fit from australia um a very clever title his his uh instagram handle uh <laughs> yep. with the yellow fit but you guys were out at an event um together um what track was that because that looked really epic like the uphill like starting track yep that is haunted hills that one uh, okay that's what i was thinking but yeah yep. that so looks will, awesome i'll explain it a bit for okay. the listeners uh so it is a hill climb track that was so it's been there for a long time but uh a couple of I'm not sure exactly how many years ago, but they did redo the track. Uh, so it is carved into a side of a hill. Uh, there's a lot of elevation. Mm. It is used as a hill climb track. Uh, so one to two cars on the track at a time. Um, and it is just, it's a beautiful track to be at. So it, mm. luscious green, rolling hills. There's cows in the background. Oh, um, nice. They're on a good day. Blue skies. Uh, it's, it's just a really beautiful part of um, Victoria, Australia to to be at. Um, and That's they were cool. nice enough to put a racetrack there for us. It is also as beautiful as it is. It is also an incredibly dangerous track. So because it is yeah. a climb track, you've got two options. There's no runoff. So your runoff is either into the side of the cliff or rolling off the cliff. Uh, and it does claim the lives of many, I think we've written off four, Wow. Four fits at that track. Something about the fit loves to roll there. I think it's just the center of gravity on the top of it. They're just yeah. a little bit taller than an echo. Mm-hmm. And I think that just initiates a barrel roll really mm-hmm. easily for some mm-hmm. reason at that track. So that that track is like wild uh, based off of what I saw from all of you guys hanging out. Um, yeah, there. Grant, Grant from Home Tools there. I think he'd be yeah. to as well. Yeah, of course. All, all your best Australian buddies were at that track together <laughs> that day. I was like, yeah. damn, I needed to go. <laughs> like, so what What kind of lap times is uh, done at that track, like for you guys? So it actually can be run in multiple configurations. Okay. Um, yep, so there's like a, there's a figure eight track. There is a outer loop. Uh, you can also run the track in reverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's really dependent on 
who's running the event. Mm-hmm. Sometimes even at Nugget Nationals, we swap. We used to swap halfway through the day. Ooh, um, swap, nice. Swap the layout. Yep. So anywhere, talking probably like a 60 second, uh, 60 seconds would be quite fast at that okay. track. Yep. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, it just depends on the car that you're in. But let's let's average it out to 60 to 65 on the faster end uh, across okay. whatever configuration you might happen to be running. Oh, okay. So I think uh, the closest thing that I have to that, because it is, um, you said a figure eight combi- uh, configuration is uh, available, so it does loop back around. It doesn't just um, have like a start and stop spot, right? Yeah, so, yep, you do come back. In any configuration you run, you do come back to okay. more or less the same point. Yep. Oh, okay. Um, so for that, I think the closest that we have is, I think, um, it would be horse thief mile, although it's a little bit longer cause I think it's about an, a minute 10, um, uh, for the okay. lap time with like my eighth gen civic, who's, it's not super fast, but it's okay. It's, it can, it can move. Um, so yeah. Oh, that's, that's really cool. That's yeah, super dope. <laughs> the first time I ever did that track, um, uh-huh. you can bleep this bit out if you need to, but someone said, I just watch out for oh shit, oh shit corner. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Do you want to tell me where that is? And they're mm-hmm. like, no, you'll figure it out. And when I got there, I actually, on YouTube, I went, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> really caught me off guard. So because of like um, you, because of how much elevation change there is in there, you actually get that roller coaster feeling in your oh. stomach where like your stomach comes up into your throat for yeah, one of them. Yeah. And you obviously you can't see the top of the crest mm-hmm. and then it's a really sharp nine like a blind ninety degrees while you're going uphill. So yeah. once you once you've done it a few times you kind of get the hang of it. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah the, the, the first time I was like, oh I know exactly why they named it that. Okay. And uh I, I thought that you were gonna say that it was a uh, oh shit because the Mountain Dew got stuck behind the gas pedal or the brake pedal or something. <laughs> so yes make sure you clear out your car before uh you go out on track that means taking the uh mountain dews out of your cars as well so they don't roll i don't even drink it that's the funniest thing i'm like why is this in the car i don't enjoy the taste of it (laughs) there is a sort of like it was a really um to get to that event i'd flown Mm. I'd just flown in from another state. I think I was on like three hours sleep. Oh boy! I pre-packed, pre-packed my car because I knew, <laughs> I knew I had to rush to this event, but I didn't pre-clear out my car. So mm, that's on mm. me. Yeah, yeah, that's um, all right. And yeah, very embarrassing as an organizer to have something <laughs> loose, loose in your car. <laughs> Luckily, it was a private event. It was just like yeah, a little yeah. end of end of the year get together for us. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, do well, as I say, not as I do. Yes. And, uh, you know, I, I, I definitely, that's definitely going to be like, if I ever go out to, um, or not if, but maybe when I go out to Australia, I definitely want to go um, at one of your guys' track days and I'll see if we can uh, um, convince uh, Grant to go out there as well. I'd love to see all of you guys uh, driving. That'd be pretty sick. Yeah. We would definitely, if you made the trip down, we would come out for sure yeah i i just have to make sure that it was at a at a good um calendar date for your guys's event so I, i'd yep. be super stoked about it we so, would 
we could also just organize one for you. No, that oh, you guys are <laughs> awesome. You, uh, all of the Australian people have been like nothing but amazing uh, ever since I met Australians um, over in Japan um, at the hostels. Like you guys yep. have always been like super cool and chill people. So since we're talking about Australia and representation, obviously. <laughs> The big story is that you went to a little racetrack in another country outside of uh, outside of Australia with uh, two of the biggest uh, YouTubers of Australia, and I'm not—I don't know that many other uh, Australian YouTubers, <laughs> so I, I could be wrong on that. But at least on the automotive side, I, I know they have the best four wheeling. Um, youtube channel and they have the best, <laughs> the best four by four, four yeah channel. yeah yeah there we go <laughs> totally butchered that so how did this come about obviously i've seen the the youtube uh, video for it the whole series and kind of got the idea but for those that don't know how how long has this been in the works yep so i it's very funny hearing that introduction because <laughs> to me they're just my friends and I forget that there's this whole other universe outside that exists who, you know, watch every episode and, re you know, really, truly love and, you know, feel like they belong to that um, whole kind of culture and ecosystem almost that they've created around cars with Mighty Car Mods. Um, so for me, it was getting a phone call from a friend. <laughs> and this was in, so in February uh, 2023. Mm -hmm. I was actually at the food bank and Marty's calling me and he's called me before to like sometimes just go, hey, can you help out? We just need some help with like logistics in Melbourne. I'm like, yep, that's mm -hmm. fine. So I thought maybe it was that. And so I picked up and he's like, hey, do you want to go to Sepang? And I'm like, yes. And he's like, you don't know what date it is. He's like, you don't know what we're driving. And I'm like, I do not care. I will quit my job if I have to. I'm coming to Sepang. And he's like, I thought that you might have that reaction. And he's like, basically, I just thought of what would be the ideal event for Ying, the ideal event for her. She's got to come to this one. And I'm like, what is it? And he's like, it's K-Cars, 24 hours at Sepang. And I'm like, fuck yes, I'm in. I'm so <laughs> yes. in. Yeah. So it's always been a bucket list of mine to do Sepang. So I've visited Malaysia quite mm -hmm. a bit. Uh, my brother lives there part-time. I've got a bunch of um, friends that I've. Mm -hmm. met through instagram but really bunch of cool track dudes that i know there um and the food is incredible in malaysia so i love going there been there many times and i'm like one day i'm gonna get to sepang so i'd, I'd actually looked into it a few years back uh, mm -hmm. you could you could hire either an nc mx5 or mm -hmm. a fd2 uh, to drive there so, and we're, again, because this is outside of the U.S., so we're talking about an FD2 RX-7 or an FD2 no. Civic? Uh, people are going to hate me for saying this, but the less the less cool FD, uh, which is the Civic. Oh. When I, I had, so I've learned this from Grant and hanging around with so many <laughs> Honda guys. They always say FD, and immediately I think RX-7. I'm like, Series 6, Series 8, and they're like, no, Civic. I'm like, ugh. Because oh. <laughs> um, that's the car the that I drive. That's the car that I drive. So mine's an <laughs> FA, FA5, so it's not cool like the FD uh, yeah. one that you guys have. But so 
I I I, I want to make sure that we give credit to what Sepang is for those people who don't know Sepang. Why did it elicit that type of a response from you? It's an old F1 track, so they used to race F1 there. Um, it is also ge- geographically one of the closest international tracks for me to get to. So outside of New Zealand, and I've actually done a track day in Indonesia, but it was a quite a you know small local track. This mm-hmm. is kind of one of the big international circuits that mm-hmm. would have actually been achievable for me to drive at um, on my budget at the time when I was a lot younger as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just like it was almost like a kind of it has to be a bucket list track because I know I can get to this. Like maybe Nurburgring, maybe Spa would have been unachievable when mm-hmm. I was a lot younger um, and and broke. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I always knew, I'm like, you have to do Sepang. So I, when I looked into it, it was, I think it was going to be over $1,000 and I, that just didn't suit my budget at the time when I was yeah. young. Um, and then I kind of forgot about it because I went off traveling and started mm-hmm. exploring different countries, but I always knew I would come back here one day. So when they said it was Sepang, I was like, yes, like it has to be. I cannot <laughs> say no to this opportunity. That That's... So, so dope. And I mean, it it literally is tailored for you. I mean, you are the co-founder of Nugget Nationals and literally driving the Nugget out there that, uh, I mean, based off of the rules for Nugget Nationals, that that car seems like, uh, aside from the tire choice, it looks like it would fit perfectly. Yeah, it would have have fit um, into our regulations anyway, so it felt very intuitive to Mm -hmm. drive. yeah, right up my alley. Front wheel drive, solid rear, mm-hmm. nugget and little car, underpowered, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Everything so, I love about cars in one car. Yeah, that. Uh, I mean, I I have to be completely honest. I I love that as well. I mean, over here in the U.S., we, um, my buddies and I have a 1999 Toyota Corolla that yep. we do a series called uh, 24 Hours of Lemons. And, yes, I have heard of that. And much like, because, um, you know, for us over here, when we look at endurance driving, there's always the barrier of entry, which is like, oh, well, you have to have your racing license or competition license. And Lemons actually allows you to drive with just a driver's license. So if you, if you ever make oh. your way... <laughs> out to the u.s yep. and uh can buy a seat because uh, oftentimes uh teams out here they don't have a full um roster um yep. so you could probably buy yourself a seat out here at one of the 24 hours of lemons events i would just have to learn to shift with my right hand <laughs> it, it's not that bad because again you, you forget um and uh, as you probably We'll, we'll, we'll touch on, you don't always use every single gear. <laughs> <laughs> Optional. Optional. Yeah. And you're driving offline most of the time with uh, 24 hours of lemons. So, uh, you you know, you're you're not always hitting everything uh, perfectly, clipping your apexes and whatnot. So you get yeah. the call. And how much of a conversation is it like what car you guys are going to use? Because... Obviously, the big logistical thing is that you can't, at least in my mind, you can't really um, 
ship a car out to Malaysia based off of what you guys are trying to do. So you ended up. Yeah. Um, At that time when I got that phone call, mm-hmm. there was nothing in play yet. They were all just options. So it was a, do we buy a car there and modify it? Mm-hmm. Do we build a car here and try to ship it? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was all still up for grabs. We, ha- we hadn't landed on exactly what we were doing. Um, it was just Marty calling around, basically rallying a crew of his friends together <laughs> um, and to see who would be in and what, in the meantime, over the next few months, they were going to work on the actual logistics of it, um, you know, what the car would be, mm-hmm. uh, where it would come from, you know, whether it was going to be a Malaysian car or an Australian car. Um, as you guys will now know, it ended up being a Malaysian car due mm-hmm. to just the – how much of a nightmare it would have been to try ship a car from Australia yeah. there. Uh, it was just easier to do it the way that it was um, done, which was to buy a car and modify it prior to the event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause your, your guys' strategy, which I really liked um, and it would have been foolproof if uh, you know, they were essentially the same um, between the two countries, but there was a bit of differences. Yes. That, a few differences. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So unexpectedly, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's kind of wild when you really think about it in, in terms of like how you know, like in the video, um, Marty talked about like, yeah, there, there should be the same car. I mean, usually, most manufacturers like we deal with this in the US, um, more in, in like, uh, I guess it, it was probably early 2000s um mainly in the 90s where we would have cars that were like pontiac vibes but they were really a toyota matrix with just like a couple (laughs) badges out there um trying to think of a couple of other ones that were like that but yeah they they're essentially the same vehicle oh there we go um the nissan sentras here the 90s nissan sentra here in the u.s um continued to be made in mexico up until i think like 2006 if i'm not mistaken (laughs) but it was still the same uh b13 chassis so it was like single wire obd1 uh car that they just kept making them because in mexico they're just you know known for being gas savers and cheap to operate so yeah well i think what threw us off was we had a Daihatsu in Australia, mm-hmm. Australian delivered. And then obviously with every country, you've got your, your slight nuances. This mm-hmm. market got this thing, you know, it wasn't another country, even though it was the same car, would have had it slightly spec differently. Um, but we didn't buy a Daihatsu in Malaysia because they're all peridouas there, uh, which is, they look almost identical. Mm-hmm. Um, and the parts for the most part, all the parts are interchangeable as well. What threw us off was the two-door and the four-door. Hmm. You cannot get the four-door in Australia, um, whereas it is only four-doors in Malaysia. Oh. And then the year models were different, which means the engine changed slightly between yeah. what our one in Australia had, which was a slightly older model, and the slightly newer one we had when we were in Malaysia. So mm. that came into play when Dave was wiring. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the rear suspension setup was different mm. for the four-door than it was for the two-door. Yeah, because you guys essentially got all the parts, excluding, I think, the roll cage, which you guys got from Malaysia. Correct, yep. 
um, over there in two suitcases and just flew out to Malaysia and like we're building the car. So (laughs) that's so dope. That that is such a cool idea in the fact uh, because are are the prices in Malaysia like equivalent uh, to what um, one of those Daihatsu's would be in Australia? Like, is it similar price wise or is it more expensive? No, I would say it's cheaper. Just, but purely from the perspective of the Australian dollar mm. is quite strong against the Malaysian ringgit. Okay. Um, so it is very. If you're going there with Australian money, your Australian money gets you quite far in Malaysia. Right. So it's not. We're not talking like cheap, cheap like it would be in, uh, for example, Vietnam or like the Philippines or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but it is still cheap <laughs> yeah. By, so i'll just i'll give you a food oh yes yeah. i like so that. if i, I was like... yep if i was to buy a malaysian dish in australia uh, mm-hmm. we'll go with chakwe tao which is a very common malaysian dish sold mm-hmm. in melbourne mm-hmm. because we've got a lot of malaysians here as well that would be about 20 dollars okay. or 23 dollars depending on where you go in australia mm-hmm. in malaysia i could get that for the equivalent of like a dollar 50 australian <laughs> oh man that, I oh, wow. ate everything I could <laughs> while I was there. That's dope. Oh yep. man. Oh, that that felt like um how I felt going to Japan uh for my most recent uh trip with my folks. Because, uh, yeah, I, I would just be like, I'm eating at seven eleven. It's like five dollars and I'm getting like a meal. Like I'm happy. It's delicious, yeah. yeah. I don't know what the I don't know what the seven elevens are like in America. But here, like, the, the food at them is trash. Like, you get, like, an egg, like, a really sad egg sandwich, and you, you're oh. going to be pie and sausage roll. I mean, it's not, it's it's all edible, mm-hmm. but you wouldn't, if you were bringing people from overseas, you wouldn't go, hey, let's go get a meal at 7-Eleven, whereas in Japan, like, you could get a really great meal there at a, you know, at a great price. So, is it the same for the 7-Elevens in Malaysia, or did they have them? I, I forget, because I remember they, they went to... They actually have Family Mart, you'll be interested oh, to know. Oh, nice. Yeah, they've got Family Mart there, and they've got the Japanese, like, they've got the soft serve. <gasps> oh. The soft serves, the matcha soft serve, yeah. That's dope. And they've got their egg sandos. Oh. So, they don't have the full suite of yeah, what yeah, yeah. you would get in Osaka, uh-huh. but... It is the same chain family mart, and so they've got a lot of the same, you know, baked goods in there. They've got so, the onigiri mm. roll uh, and the triangles, and um, yeah, soft serve. So, yep, there is a, I'd say like 50% of it, it would be what's sold in Japan, and 50% Sick. a little bit tailored for the Malaysian market. Sick. So that's dope. So, what was your favorite right. thing to get? Like, because I imagine you guys get there, and obviously it's the shock for marty moog and all the other people who have never been to malaysia about (laughs) the humidity because the humidity is real from what i got it is like a slap in the face when you get out into the airport Mm -hmm. it's cold it's cold and then you're sort of getting closer towards the exit of the airport Mm -hmm. and you're like oh you can really feel the humidity (laughs) and that's just that that's just the out like every time the door opens a bit of that humidity comes in mixes with the aircon and so you already think like it's kind of easing you into it, yeah. and then when you actually step outside, it is. Uh, I think Isaac said it's like standing next to a bus where you just get all the heat <laughs> from under the bus. But oh. that's everywhere. Like oh it's thick. man, it's thick and it's like soupy. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. If you've been to any tropical 
country near the equator, it mm-hmm. is like that. So I dealt with a little bit of that. I, I don't know if it was quite at that level. Uh, I I like to over exaggerate whenever things happen to me. Um, so <laughs> we are I was, the same people. <laughs> so I was in Kyoto during the summer, and it was like ninety percent humidity and like ninety nine degrees Fahrenheit. So that'd be like forty C with like 90% humidity. I'm not sure if that translates to... Yep. Yeah, That's yeah. exactly what Malaysia was like. And we were walking around and I was just like always sweating to the point where yep. I, I needed to make sure that I bought like uh, my Uniqlo uh, t-shirt that's like moisture wicking so that I don't <laughs> <The> look... <laughs> <laughs> oh yep. man so they're, they're having a grand old time uh with the weather what was the first night for you guys uh arriving there like yeah so i was actually there a little bit earlier mm. um because i wanted to hang out with some of my friends first i'd actually oh, taken nice. yeah i'd taken my my partner and two of my other friends from melbourne across that was their first time in malaysia and awesome. then i was meeting up with some of my Malaysian friends there. So actually ended up at a Porsche meet the day I landed. <laughs> went, go-kart, went two straight go-karting, did ATVs. And I'm, as I'm ATVing through this jungle and the guy's like, oh, that's a 300-meter drop, be really careful. I'm thinking, wow, this was incredibly stupid to do before the rest of my team arrives and I'm about to do a 24-hour endurance race. Oh, boy. Um, anyway, had a great time. Ate mm-hmm. up a storm um, mm-hmm. and then met the guys. They landed Tuesday night. And I met them first thing Wednesday morning. Um, and we met at the, the workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yep, that was the first time I saw our Malaysian car. And, um, yeah, we just started unpacking the suitcases and getting to work on the car. So Wednesday uh, was two days before scrutineering. Mm-hmm. So we only had two days to put the car together. And on the Friday, it would Friday morning, it already had to be at Sepang. Mm-hmm. for to pass scrutineering and just by like luck of the draw we happened to be the first car to get scrutinied oh snap so we didn't even have any like extra time once we got to the track because we were going to be the first car in mm-hmm. line so that that was um really interesting because I, I saw um you guys dealt with kind of two curveballs that were thrown at you one was uh, a fee that was charged in for all the drivers that I think you had your two um, local um, team members who... Well, Julian uh, and Stacy. Yeah. yeah, Julian and Stacy who um, speak uh, the Malay la- language and were able to kind of like, you know, figure that out. Uh, uh, it, it translated really well through uh, Moog uh, talking about it where he felt like it was just like, uh, we're charging you fee. So... Yeah. Um, so I'll just be clear here. So the organisers of the mm-hmm. event were just as furious as we were. So there's two – we're going to separate the two. There's the organisers okay. okay. and then there's the sanctioning body. Uh... Yep. So that cheeky little fee that we got in the 11th hour was mm-hmm. from the sanctioning body saying, hey, you need to pay extra. Mm-hmm. And, the you know, the organisers were absolutely mortified as – I felt, or I really felt for them as an organizer. Mm-hmm. I was just like, this is kind of the worst thing that could happen to you. You know, it's you feel really bad having to <laughs> then tell all your competitors, your full field that are here for an event for the next two days. Oh, wait, um, that so the full, the full? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't just us. 
Oh snap! Yeah. Oh, then they yeah, that makes so much more sense that it. Yeah. So they weren't singling us out for being Australian. It was just uh. No, we're gonna need money to grab everyone you. Everyone needs everyone needs to pay extra. Oh, that sucks so much. So I could see like that that makes it even more understanding why you know it kind of translated a little bit from like Moog and Marty uh like little bio that they were talking about because i watched again i watch all the videos um and yeah when they were talking about that they 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 let it come across in the videos they were perturbed a little bit about that so you had that and you had the kill switch which the kill switch was more like <laughs> as annoying as it is having to you know pay a bit extra mm -hmm. that's at the end of the day we are fortunate that we mm -hmm. have australian dollars mm -hmm. and you know, we just paid the bit extra. Um, the kill switch one was an, probably the bigger curveball mm -hmm. because Dave's like, I did not bring anything, like the mm -hmm. car's not even wired in such a way to accommodate for this. Yeah. So so I I was off taking photos, um, you know, about mm -hmm. to basically hyperventilate because I was in the coolest place on earth. And then I came, I was walking back towards the garage and Dave's like, did you hear about the kill switch? I'm like, no. And he's like, I need to know what has to be killed? Is it just a, you know, internal kill switch or does it have to be external as well? Um, and at this stage, the scrutineers had left and they were off down the pits uh, scrutineering someone else's car. But I actually oh. had, like, an old friend who used to track here in Melbourne, uh -huh. um, Malaysian national, though, and he he lived in Malaysia. Okay. Has since gone on to become, like, the GT3 Cup champion there. Ooh, um, shout out. But he was competing at this event. So I went up to him and like, dude, what do we need to kill? Um, and so, but at the same time, I think you would have seen on the video is that uh, Blair had gone off to ask the other team mm -hmm. from uh, in a different direction. Yep. Mm -hmm. So we'd both come back with the same answer, like, "Oh crap, we've got to kill." And it's an external and an internal one. Ooh. So then, yeah, the guys have set off to and <laughs> Dave, bless him, just kind of just breathed in, like meditatively, and just went, "Cool, got to get to work." Uh, and I was just sick. like, "You're handling this very well," and he's like. Yep, I've just got to because we've got to get this done. So it was like just such a cool group of people to be with. That's the first like I don't. That's the first time I'd met Dave. I knew Muddy Blair, James, Isaac. Uh, like I'd already known them. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, the other half of the team was the first time meeting. And you know, yeah. to Muddy and Moog's credit, um, they just assembled a bunch of people that actually happened to vibe really well together. That's dope. Um, yeah, so resolved that, mm -hmm. um, and then the race begins, and obviously we've got a whole bunch of different problems that then present themselves. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, like, of course, the overheating problem that you guys had, and I mean, to be fair, like, you guys literally got a car that's, you know, a used, uh, by that marketplace. time. Marketplace, yeah, it was yeah. a Craigslist car or a marketplace car, yep. Mm -hmm. That's we got the Malaysian equivalent of that, just a random sight unseen car that would fit the rigs. Yeah, and um, from the build process, when you guys were uh, bleeding the brake lines and uh, bleeding the coolant system, I was just like, "Oh Everything's man, brown. Everything <laughs> was brown, like bad." And I'm just like, "Oh man, I, I've again, you and I have kindred spirits in in the sense of uh, messing with nuggets, or as we call them over here, shit boxes." 
Um, so I'm used to seeing some grody stuff, like getting um, opening up a Breakmaster cylinder and finding like algae in there and being like, "All right, this tight, <laughs> yeah. this tight. Like, let's scoop all this out. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we just sift it out. It'll be fine. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Yeah. Let's just do 15 pumps and we'll 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 get it done. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I mean. How, how stressed were you guys when you're looking at the condition of the car? And I, I'm sure at that point you, you, you have to be like, okay, what do we do? Not if this blows <laughs> yep. up, but when this blows up. Yep. We're like, we had already said before we even got to Sepang, if we finish, this is going to be a massive success. Yeah. And, you know, having spoken to people now since completing the event, mm-hmm. everyone has said the same thing. It awesome. is just about finishing. If you place, great. But really, for your first event ever, you're just <laughs> trying to finish. Yeah. So we already knew, like, we saw all the browns as he was flushing it out. <laughs> I was just like, that's that's bad even by my standards, and I'll tolerate quite a bit. Yep. Yeah. Um, but everyone was quite optimistic, so I'm kind of swept up in the optimism yeah. of it's you the know, vibe. Our, our, it's the, the vibe. The actual mechanics that are there. So Julian is a qualified mechanic. Mm-hmm. Um, Isaac's just a you know absolute guru. Everyone was just really handy, um, handy with cars. So and they're not that stressed. So I'm like, cool. Yeah, we're gonna be fine. Um, yeah. No, anyway, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't fine. It wasn't fine. <laughs> it was very much not fine. Oh man, so. Obviously, you guys get dealt your first um, major hit when it's. Um, I, I think it, it was it you that was driving. Yeah, I was when, driving when it, uh, it essentially like popped the head gasket. Yep. So I'm driving, having a great time, just trying to learn. So Sepang is for anyone that doesn't know the track, it's 15 corners. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's. Let me just double check this. It's, yeah, 15 corners. Mm-hmm. I think like 5.5K circuit in length. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is very wide. Like for yeah. some of some sections of the track are 26 meters wide. Yeah. What's that convert into feet? No, that, that's pretty wide because usually a meter is like uh, about 85 feet. feet. Yeah, that's, that's oh, wide. Yeah, wide. Yeah, it's very wide. Um, especially when you're in a nugget, it's, it's super <laughs> wide. <laughs> and when you're in a K car, it is a very big track. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just kind of get a feel for it. I'm driving around and I'm like, cool. You know, in your head, mm-hmm. you use all the track. Mm-hmm. So you go from, you know, inner to outer. And I was always driving around. I'm like, this is actually just wasting time. I'm adding extra meters for no reason. So I'm trying oh to like God, reset yeah. my brain, which is like, do not use the whole track. In a nugget, you don't need it. When you're running in a bigger series, like obviously if you're F1, mm-hmm. you know, GT3 series, any like kind of of the higher powered, bigger cars, mm-hmm. you would be using the full track. But in a nugget, it's, re- it's really kind of disorientating to go, oh, it's, don't you, unlearn what you know, which is use the full track. Yeah. It's a, it's a waste of time. It's a pain to use the full track in a nugget. You're adding extra meters for no reason. So, yeah, uh, that's, yep. that's really true because we had a big track over here um where like we it's a nascar track and when we go in some of the like honda challenge cars or the spec miata cars um we'd hug the inside all the way through and you're like no you go out and in but it's like you know you're running so much more distance so that makes a lot of sense that's pretty dope so i know we're talking about you driving right now but yeah, so give give me a, a little bit of 
the the emotions that felt when you first got into the car and you're ready to go out into Sepang because that's a huge that's a huge thing like you talked about finally going out there and, and I know that like for me when I was going out for my first Honda Challenge race it, it was like a, a mixture of nervousness and excited like I, I, I don't know so walk me through that so I was talking to Stacy, and Stacy's the um, our Malaysian team member, Malaysian Australian, mm-hmm. and she has zero track experience prior to this event. Yeah. She didn't do track days, and she's like, "Oh, I'm so nervous," and mm-hmm. I just looked her dead in the eyes, and I'm like, "It's okay, because I'm really scared too." <laughs> and she's like, "Even you?" And I'm like, "Yes, even me." I'm like, "It it doesn't go away. When I go to a new track, I still get really nervous." Mm-hmm. Um, and then. It's always like that that anticipation. And then when you get out and you do the first corner, you're just like, holy shit, I'm driving Sepang. And I think they, they left that bit in the video where yeah. I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm driving Sepang. Uh, it was just, that was turn one going into turn two when I said mm-hmm. that. I was giddy. <laughs> it was oh, very man. surreal. That's so dope. Yeah. And so then after you kind of get over the, I'm doing this, like I'm actually doing it, mm-hmm. then you go, oh, wait, there's like, 39 other cars around me (laughs) to not die and i'm i am just a grassroots you know track day driver Uh or high performance yeah yeah, yeah. i think you guys call it there yeah yeah. i just do sprints time trials i'm you know not a seasoned Mm -hmm. race driver i'm not used to being on track with that many cars like Mm -hmm. i've done some like a six hour relay once here in melbourne but Mm -hmm. um you know nothing can really compete like prepare you for that at first, I'm like, oh, my God, it's so cute. I'm with all these K-Cars. I'm like, oh, holy shit, there's all these K-Cars. I'm like, they're dive. A lot of them were return competitors, so, you know, they were quite seasoned at doing this mm-hmm. event. Uh, they obviously knew their cars really well. Um, this was our first time driving the car mm-hmm. on the track. Yep. And the and speed like after, intervals are after different. After we modified it, Marty yeah. was the only one that had driven the car because he drove it there. Mm-hmm. So none of us had actually even driven Damn. it since it had been modified. Yep. So we're kind of coming to grips with one the grip but also like how does the car handle mm-hmm. uh, does it have any weird traits in it so mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot to take in a sensory overload but in the best way possible that's so dope like honestly like hearing you talk about that like uh how can i explain it i feel like there's certain things that you just can't translate with words um but i call it like I'm probably making this up, but emotional equity um, in something in the sense that someone who has done a wheel-to-wheel race or has competed in an enduro who's like really giddy about doing something like that, um, you know, that that feeling you first get through the first corner and then the realization that, holy shit, there's a competition going on and <laughs> there's other cars who are trying to win and they are yep. way all over you. And yeah, it, it came across on the video really well, um, the speed intervals and, um, you know, you were talking about how even for a nugget, it felt underpowered and yep. that's the precursor to the incident yeah so when i came back in like a few of the drivers had said this feels slow it feels slower than our aussie car that we had mm-hmm. and then i'd said to them i'm like is it a weird like sensory thing where because the track is so big we feel really slow 
Mm. Is the car actually slow? And then I'm like, maybe I'm slow. Mm -hmm. I'm like, but it was straight line speed. So whatever, that's just put flat to the floor. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not corners. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. you could be slow at driving corner, but everyone knows how to just like mash it down the straight. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm like, no, this car's slow, but whatever. We're here. Who cares? We'll just drive Mm -hmm. it. Um, Anyway, that ended up being the precursor to me driving it. Um, And I'm very conscious of engine just temps. Just yeah. temps in, in general, like yeah. coolant temps, oil yeah. temps, everything. Because I've blown up motors, I'm always <laughs> <laughs> it's a, like it's my trauma that I deal yes. with. And so I'm always just constantly scanning. Mm-hmm. Um but this time I didn't have to scan because the screen's <laughs> bright red saying overheat, overheat. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> so so what was the temp and that you I'm saw? Seasoned, uh one hundred and eight. Centigrade. Um, it's embedded in my head. One hundred and eight is what uh, coolant temp got to. Okay. Degrees Celsius. Yeah. Yep. Hot. She hot. So because I'm so seasoned at overheating cars and blowing things up, my first reaction, look for the heater, turn the heater on, full blast, try cool this down as quickly as possible. And I looked out and I'm like, I'm in friggin' Malaysia. There's no heater core in this car. It's just cold. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, all right, cool. I've got nothing. So I literally just limped it back to the pit and I'm watching it. And I'm like, oh, it's working because I'm getting enough airflow. Like, d- mm-hmm. don't go too slow because that'll overheat it. Mm-hmm. Go fast mm-hmm. enough to not stress it, but to cool it down. And so it's dropping. It's dropping. By the time I get back to the pits, mm-hmm. it's eighty back down to eighty degrees Celsius. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, okay, that's that's good. It's not staying hot. But I knew when I saw the 108, I'm like, this motor is cooked. Hope we haven't done a head gasket. Um, but of course, we're all remaining yeah. positive. Um, the fact that it dropped down so quickly, we're like, maybe it's okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's just a bubble or something weird has happened. Maybe it's a blip. Maybe it's wiring. Who mm-hmm. who knows? We're just pretending it's not a head gasket. Um, so Isaac goes out again and he's like, no, everything's fine. And then towards the end, he's like, no, nah, overheating. Um, yeah. So that begun the head gasket saga. Mm-hmm. And again, I went over to my friend because I had to borrow um, the hex socket that he had. Oh, for the cam, I think it was, right? Yeah, to take the head off, yep. Um, And he's like, you guys bought a spare motor, right? (laughs) And I just looked at him and he's like, oh, you didn't. Um, And he's like, did you do the head starts? I'm like, like, no. I'm like, we literally showed up. And he's like, oh, okay. He's like, these are all the things we learned the first time we did the endurance race. Mm -hmm. So their team had competed a few times. They'd actually won a few times in their Mm -hmm. class. And he's like, our first event, we blew the motor, we blew the gearbox. Mm -hmm. Um, So the second time we came back, we need, we need to bring a spare box and motor and we need to do the head studs um, as well. Um, So he had the tools, we got going and he's like, he's like, it would be faster for you if you just had a motor. I'm like, yeah, we know, but we don't, but I'm like, we have a head gasket though. And he's like, that's better than nothing. Yeah, so the team oh. works for like four and a bit hours to get this done. Yeah. yeah. And we go out again and everything's great. So we're all cycling through. And the reason we're doing – we're only doing 30 minutes per driver, which is not the way to win an enduro. Of course not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you want to minimize driver changes, right? Mm-hmm. We wanted to make sure everyone got at least some driving time before yeah. the car completely grenaded and was undrivable. <laughs> you have so, you know, both. we're taking a very different approach. We're taking the friendship approach, not the yeah. winning approach, which is let's – make sure everyone has come all this way. Let's make sure everyone gets a drive. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's awesome. Um, yeah. So then the night continues and, you know, Ebony's the first one to mm-hmm. go. It's really hard to get into second gear. And then I've gone out 
I could get it with a rev match, could get it with some double clutching, and then I just couldn't get it anymore. I'm like, mm-hmm. second gear's gone. Um, so, yeah, they're like, do you want to bring the car in to see if there's anything we can do about it? And I'm like, I knew. I'm like, we don't have a spare box. That's the only thing that's going to fix this. Yeah. This is box out. This is box out and box apart. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'll just drive it in third gear, mm-hmm. which may have seemed very heroic at the time because I'm just like, whatever, we just got to put laps down. Yeah. And then I got out there and I know we're all slow because we're K cars, but you don't ever want to be trying to pull a, like a 1,000cc motor uphill in third gear. <laughs> <laughs> and the speed, and obviously the other cars on the track were not are not expecting you to be that slow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was real dicey. They all took very good evasive action. I, I was driving offline anyway because I knew oh, I, I yeah. didn't want to be the guy. You don't want to be the guy that's blocking everyone else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I'm like, in my head, I'm like, okay, the only way to resolve this is more speed. Like break it less, chuck it in, so you're. I'm already going faster, so it doesn't need to like bog down and try yeah. climb up in third gear. So I tried every kind of stupid thing that I knew how to do to <laughs> just keep going. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of my stint, I'm like, "Good luck, Isaac." Um, and then fourth, he actually. I don't think you hear it in the video, but he he like called in. He's like, "Hey, did did you have fourth gear?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I did." And he's like, "Yeah, we don't have fourth gear anymore." I'm like, "Okay, cool." Oh, just, so that means yep. chunks are everywhere. Yeah. So we never pulled. We got a spare box, but we never pulled the box apart to actually diagnose what had yeah. you know, obliterated inside. Ooh, that yep. yeah, that was something that was missed on there because it, it felt like oh, it's just like a third gear synchro. Which, I mean, honestly, for a car that old and you're revving that high and you yeah. know putting that much, uh, and again, we saw the brown that came out of the coolant and the brake lights. <laughs> I can't yep. imagine that yep. the gearbox was it anything. Just be- Glitter, I think, by the end of that. <laughs> just shiny, shiny liquid coming out of it. Oh, boy. But, you know, in the end, um, you guys got a new gearbox from your friends um, uh, at, at the little shop over there. And, yep. you know, one of the things that I really, really appreciate about uh, Marty and Moog is that they really like to highlight kind of the differences in uh, car culture. And not really, like, look down on it, but look at it in terms of, uh, you know, how cool is it that people do so much with what they have? And, you know, that shop, I mean, I'm used to it. I, I know that I've, I've complained about my little tools that I have. But to know that essentially all, all it was was just, like, wrenches and socket sets and that's it like drills and stuff like that were uh kind of like not really used so um yeah Yeah, like for i think isaac said it in the behind the scenes thing where he's like that's kind of what i use at home so i didn't think it was that weird and (laughs) like for me similar like Mm -hmm. i don't i I use very the very i try avoid working on cars because i hate it with a passion it's just Mm -hmm. a means to an end for me i much prefer driving but you know yep um the on the very rare occasions where I do have to fix something that I've broken, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I've, I'm using very rudimentary tools too. So it wasn't that strange. I don't have a full suite of power tools. I've got mm-hmm. what we call the Ugga Dugga, uh, the Dak Dak, yeah. uh, the impact yeah impact gun. Yeah, um, I think that's probably all I would use. But you know, I'm not a workshop. You're not a workshop. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Isaac's not a workshop. We're just kind of home hobbyists. Yeah. Um. So yeah, really interesting to see that. But I think. It's not the tools, it's the heat that they work in. It is 
insane yeah. to have to be laboring in that heat. Because then um, the cars are were, hot too. Were, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I will say, though, that there are definitely very bougie workshops in Malaysia. Um, yeah. I was just because part of my holidays, I just like to check out workshops, um, mm -hmm. as most of us do. Uh, I've walked around. Uh, there's an area near called Sunway. Um, that's where all the kind of fancier workshops are, and they prepare a lot of the time, local time attack cars, you know, their Porsches, Lamborghinis, R32s, um, mm -hmm. that Valeside Supra. I don't know if you saw on my story. Oh, They've got yeah. Like Tom's, Tom's MRS there, like just some like really weird, like kind of ex-Japanese workshop cars are there as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's definitely a really uh, a fancier, and I guess what most Western people would expect from a workshop, um, mm -hmm. that exists there too. We just weren't there. We were a bit further out. Yeah. Um, yeah, f further away from KL. So, yeah, they, they do have that, and there will definitely be shops there that are full of, you know, well-equipped, mm -hmm. uh, but catering towards a different clientele, not catering towards nuggets yeah, <laughs> yeah but, uh, I, but the, I mean the like, cars that workshop was working on they mm -hmm. were predominantly either k cars mm -hmm. or just people's commuter cars um but that's like the so, normal yeah. yeah that's like the that's normal. Your regular workshop is doing that kind of work yeah, yeah. The, the i mean so two things that really uh, stuck out to me is obviously the lack of light because man like it, it looked dark when you guys were working on it and <laughs> yep. so that we was had to one. use we had to use the lighting that they bought for filming as our <laughs> workshop lights that's so dope yeah so there wasn't any there was one kind of fluorescent light that was mm -hmm. flickering on and off and that was just annoying <laughs> so luckily they had they had their filming lights so that's mm -hmm. the lighting you see when it is lit up is um from for that like photography lights basically <laughs> yeah so that was one of them. And the other one that I think was highlighted even in the second video that came out um, where they were talking about just like cultural differences was the guy welding the exhaust. Oh, looking. So the, I know a lot of welders here. Um, my fabricator, shout out to Eli Villa, who uh, built my uh, roll cage. And uh, I mean, the joke is always oh look it's the new person they looked uh while they were welding it's like great their eyes are sandpaper now and they're gonna <laughs> like cry tomorrow and then like the video i mean you guys got like really good video this person staring at a weld and i'm like how are his eyes alive like, it's quite funny. If you look at the comments in the YouTube, uh -huh. people are like, I'm a Malaysian and we've never seen this before. So I don't know how we just <laughs> lucked out and went to possibly one of the only workshops where there's a dude staring directly at the world as he's welding. And um, so I was, I didn't go to that part. Yeah. 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 I was off doing so. I was still at the workshop uh, when they left. And. They, James came back and he's like, you'll never believe what we just saw or what we just built with a guy just welding. And I was like, how's how's the workmanship? He's like, it's really good. <laughs> like, how, well, because you I can see, I guess. staring at it, may, maybe you're just blind and you can't actually see what you're welding. And he goes, no, the work is actually sensational. But wow. yeah, really funny to see that the Malaysians who commented saying, please don't judge us for that. We, yeah, we actually do have welding masks. <laughs> That's, uh, but I mean, like... Re 
I, I, I just look at that and I'm just like, wow, that is wild. Because, I mean, yeah, that, that's kind of a big leap to say like, oh, everybody in Malaysia does this just because you saw one, uh, one yeah. garage uh, worker do something like that. I mean, I'm sure that if we went to like the South in, um, in the U.S., you probably find somebody who's like, well, I don't need no welding gas. Like, Bam. <laughs> You're not the boss of me. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't tell me what to do. Yep. Yeah. So my real dad. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the car's all prepped out for that. You guys go through it and you, you're able to finish, which, you know, hats off to you guys. Hats off to, you know, Marty and Moog for pulling you all together and building such an amazing team to um, – finish a your first 24 hours race with swapping out a gearbox a head gasket and all kinds of like last minute uh perturbments that you got so yeah congratulations on that that is not an easy thing so obviously the only conversation that's probably being have after an event like that probably right after you guys cross the finish line is when are we doing it again when's so, the next one yeah yep. yep we were all very keen <laughs> like when can we do this again <laughs> so where in the world it may be we don't know that event mm-hmm. actually only runs every two years mm-hmm. so it won't be next year um the next time it comes around will be 2025 mm-hmm. um yeah so we'll see if if we can make that happen mm-hmm. if it doesn't i'm going to go to sepang anyway because i met a whole bunch of people Mm -hmm. who were like oh how do you like the track and i'm like i love it can i just talk a little bit about how great the track is too yeah go for it go for it yeah so you got two massive straights which feel like they go for a long time when you're Mm -hmm. in a k-car um drafting i've never had to draft before oh yeah it's really we got 10 we got 10 extra kilometers when we were following another Mm -hmm, (laughs) k-car you've got two boxes pushing each other through air um so that was great. And just but the series of corners that are there. So turn one, two, it's like a like a baby corkscrew. Mm-hmm. Um, so just tight, awkward. You naturally just want to push wide on turn two. Mm-hmm. Then you've got some really fast, like full throttle, just sweeping corners, like mm-hmm. two or three of them in a row. Um, and there's this, this beautiful section, which is two right-handed corners. Mm-hmm. And if you nail it, in a K-car, you can just hang it flat on the right line, just mm-hmm. yeah, just flat to the floor and just hold it in this beautiful arc and you just feel like a god if you do it right. If you do it wrong, you get all understeery and mm-hmm. all taily. Um, but th- that was probably my favourite section of the track. Um, and then you've got some like really tight off-camber hairpins uphill. Um, mm. It's just a, it's a beautiful mix of corners. It's not like Yes, it would be great if you had a lot of power there because of the mm-hmm. big straights, um, but the corners themselves are really enjoyable to drive. Mm. So I, yep, if anyone ever gets a chance to drive Sepang, please do. Uh, and I would like to go do it again this year in a track car. So I met a, a bunch of people who were like, oh, if you ever want to come back, um, we we rent cars out. So uh, one of the dudes said, we've got eight sixes for hire. And again, I was talking to my Malaysian friend and he's like, oh, you know, what do you think? I'm like, yeah, it'd be good to do it in something like a little bit faster. And he's like, oh, like a caveman? And I'm like, no. I'm like, I just drove a caveman. I'm in like a Suzuki Swift, like a 1.5 liter, and he's gone straight to Porsche. But for yeah. him, because of what he normally drives, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Like, that's a slow car for him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, apparently you can rent a caveman if you really want wow. to. Um I don't. I can't afford to crush a Cayman, but I could 
probably pay off a Suzuki Swift if I bid there, it. There you, go, there you so, go. Or, or an uh, FD2. Yes, correct. Uh, Civic. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I will. I would like to try and figure a way to do an, a, just a regular track day mm. grassroots event there at Sepang um, because I'd love to drive the track again. I could, uh, for the for a few weeks after the event, I just dreamt about Sepang, like driving driving that's it. So I'm like I, I need to come back. <laughs> that's so dope. Oh man, that's I, I I was so happy for you, and you know, like you you had hinted, oh, I'm going to be doing something, and I was really happy that we we got to know each other and talk um, before. He, this whole thing blew up because I'm like, oh my god, I made a good friend, and they're actually going to be famous <laughs> too. And you, see, you say this, but life life is exactly <laughs> the same for me. Like, I still after the holidays, I still logged into my desk job. Mm-hmm. But like, mm-hmm. it hasn't changed. So it's, it's funny hearing that you say, oh, like you like you blown up, and I'm like, I'm 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 still the same person <laughs> that just likes driving bad cars around racetracks. I think um, it, it's going to be something that, you know, you're famous with a certain group of people. And I think when you go to, like, another track event or whatever, because, I mean, let's be honest, you have an iconic hair uh, out there. <laughs> so, like, how many uh, people that are going to be walking around on a racetrack, first of all, that's a female, and with the pink hair, they're going to be like, wait, were you with? And that's what... <laughs> That's what's going to happen because, I mean... But you know what's weird, though? Because I already know, like, the track community in mm-hmm. Melbourne. I know all of them because we all drive together already. So, they're like, oh, that's cool. You're on that show. Like, no one cares. Ah. <laughs> My actual friends don't care at all. Yeah, but, I mean, now, like, the beginners who are first tracking, they're going to be like, oh, my God, you were on that. Yeah. That, that okay, That's, that's going to happen. That's going to happen. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, look, I, my... And I'm always checking myself um, when people tell me, like, oh, you have a podcast. People might know you. I'm like, I'm well known to, like, a very specific group of people. Like, if yeah, they... Yeah, like niche re- within a niche, right? Niche <laughs> That's in how a I niche. Feel. Yep. Yes. So, like, if I knew people who drive, like, nuggets in Australia in, in kind of the Melbourne area, I'm pretty sure they're probably going to know who Ying is. And if you go to the Northeast and like Honda Challenge, you're probably going to find out who I am. Yep. So, yeah, like, the, the again. That's, with as much, su- that's as much fame or infamy <laughs> as I, I want. I just want to be known for the thing that I like. Mm-hmm. And that's cool if no one else cares or knows who I am. I'm totally okay with that. If, yeah. if my legacy is people think, oh, like, crappy front wheel drive car ying <laughs> perfect yeah i've done everything i needed to do in this lifetime well hopefully it brings more attention to your guys's uh track day events because honestly i, I just want to see you guys uh grow and be um you know as good as you possibly can with nugget nationals because um honestly from what i've seen you guys have a great attitude you you're doing things that are super budget oriented and I love that so much. So yeah, you know, like kindred spirits in a different country. So I I have nothing but love and respect for you guys. Brother from another mother. (laughs) Love it. Oh man. Oh, that's so dope. So thank you so much. Thanks for all the kind words. I really appreciate it. And like you were, 
you also messaged me as soon as you saw it. You're like, holy crap, you're on the show. <laughs> so I really, I appreciate how hyped you were for me to be on there too. So thank oh, you so much. You know, it, yeah. it's, it's something like, like you said, it's a small community. And, you know, whenever I see people who I'm like tangentially uh, connected to do really cool um, things, I'm always going to try my best to cheerlead them on because, you know, like at the end of the day, you and Grant and Mr. A Very Clever Title with uh, now his uh, super built uh, freaking uh, <laughs> Honda Fit. Fit. Yep. Um, like all of you guys are just awesome human beings. And um, knowing that you guys do um, well makes me happy. And, you know, it, it kind of lifts lifts uh, lifts me up whenever uh, I'm going yeah, through like... We're all connected, right? We just need yeah. to lift each other up. We're in this, um, you know, what would probably be deemed by some people in the car community as like the uncool cars of oh, the yeah. car world. Oh, yeah. The wrong so wheel drive. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, uh, you know, when people go, oh, you like cars, mm -hmm. you must like this. And I'm like, oh, no, nah. I like a really specific mm -hmm. kind of niche of a niche car. <laughs> yeah. Yep, so when you find your people, yeah. uh, it's amazing. Like you just seem to start collecting the same type of people from around mm -hmm. the world. Like even mm -hmm. the guys that I know in Malaysia, they're all just about seat time. Yeah. And, you know, do people exist that just spend a lot of money on cars and the lap times don't come? Yeah. Like that exists worldwide. It's so universal. Mm -hmm. Like what you experience, what I experience, what, you know, my Malaysian friends experience, I'm like, oh, track day culture is actually just the same worldwide. Mm -hmm. But then it's amazing that you can go anywhere in the world and kind of find your people. So, yeah. Yeah. Like gravitates towards like. <laughs> exactly. Ying. Um, from the first time we recorded together, even though, um, what was the Tom's uh, voice was way too low. Um, I, I've been wanting to have you on again. I really enjoyed uh, talking and hanging and, and just talking cars. Like I, I look forward to the time when we can, um, when I can actually go to Australia because, uh, yeah, I would definitely love to go out there and see a bunch of nuggets driving around a racetrack, and that would be freaking dope. So again, we would love to have you here. <laughs> I, I know, I know, Grant would uh, probably um, make it out there to one of those events. I, I might not have to twist his arm uh, too hard for that. So ho hopefully, no, absolutely not. We all hang out together anyway. So, <laughs> so that's dope. <laughs> yeah, we, we, like we, we come as a group. <laughs> Awesome. That's so yeah. dope. Oh, man. Well, with that being said, is there any other uh, shout outs you want to give out to your very famous uh, uh, YouTube uh, personalities out there? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I did say it in the video, but yeah, thanks to them. Like, this is a, a trip of a lifetime. Like, mm -hmm. even for someone who tracks, let alone for people who, who didn't track that much mm -hmm. prior to this event, what they did was they actually just gathered their friends. Like, mm -hmm. they're so famous that they could have picked anyone they wanted to. And those mm -hmm. people would have said, yes, they could have picked professional drivers, like pro, you know, mm -hmm. workshops. They could have picked anyone and they went and picked their mates to go drive awesome. internationally with. So, you know, that I, I hope that came across in the story that it actually was just their friends <laughs> that, yeah. that they took across with them, which is really cool. Um, and, yeah, again, thank you for having me on again. Mm -hmm. um, love talking cars and just understanding <laughs> the differences between our countries or the mm -hmm. not differences between our countries. Um, mm -hmm. It's always a pleasure. So thank you so much for having me on again. Oh, it, it's I really enjoy having people that I don't have to work really hard to uh, have on the podcast. And it's just like 
an actual hang. So um, yeah. I'm super, <laughs> super happy about that. And if you ever make it out to the U.S. Uh, and want to do one of our like $150 track dates out here, like let me know and I'll, I'll do what we can to like figure it out for you over here. Yeah, I will bring my pants because I heard they're mandatory now. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, that's a running joke because you always have to wear pants and long sleeves in Australia, by the way. I heard it's kind of being implemented there as a, like a, a new fresh safety measure. Very, fu- very funny. You guys are loose. Yeah, um, uh, you can still run the tank top though, so you're fine. <laughs> Sun's out, guns out. Exactly. Ying, um, it's an honor. It's honestly like a a freaking blast to have you on. I really enjoyed this. And thank you for coming back on. And hopefully you continue to answer my messages now that you've uh, blown up. So Uh, Don't be fooled by the rocks that I got. I'm still journeying from the block. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and I'll I'll continue to do my part in sending you uh, starlets uh, that are cheap for sale here in uh, the U.S. And if you guys find cheap starlets here in the U.S. or in Australia, make sure to send them to Yingbot at her uh, Instagram or any way that you have a, a communicating. Because I am down to break your uh, 2024 uh, goals of not buying more not ship buying pilot. Yeah, yeah there we go. Me. Yes, if I find yeah. one for like about uh, what you call a, a, a cheap price for um, a, a Nugget National uh, level price, um, I'm definitely sending it for you. So yeah, KP sixty ones only, guys. Look, yeah. if this if this so called fame can't get me a KP sixty one, then what's it good for? Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, and with that, guys, I'll see you next Monday. Um, Thanks again for coming on and uh, yeah, talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.